Good morning. Turn with me uh, in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Amen. While you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a funny story. Elders decided a little while ago that we were going to do the life of David in a practical sense, um, studying his life, his good and his bad and his mistakes. This is week two. We started last week with James. And so when we do the assignments, I was given 1 Samuel chapter 17, which if you don't know, it's the story of David and Goliath. If you were here Friday night, you heard Micah Tuttle, who Danny found and brought and said, hey, come and do our conference for us, which was fantastic. And he said, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. So I went through the emotions of, you know, <gasps> and just like, what? And uh, now what am I supposed to do? And then it hit me. Um, if God wants it spoken twice, it, it's for your, your sake. <laughs> <laughs> you must have something that he needs you to hear. Um, so if I repeat anything from Micah, um, it's not me trying to repeat Micah because I've been preparing on this for a couple weeks. Um, it is really divine intervention in your life to say you need to hear something twice. So make sure you pay attention if that happens. Um, there are probably going to be some things that we cross on because it's, it's a pretty familiar story. There's only so much that happens in it. Um, I also appreciate your patience this morning. I'm a little bit of morning, um, rough night. I was up till 2 in the morning. Trying to save my pulled pork. Didn't make it. Broken hearted. I am broken hearted today. It's, that's a loss. I love my pulled pork. I made special sauce and everything. All right. First Samuel chapter 17. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit. Um, and again, keep in mind that you know, the, pro, the focus on what we're trying to do in this series is the practical from David's life. So you'll definitely hear... Um, different things. And again, I really want to reiterate this, what was said earlier. If you weren't here this weekend, please make sure you get the, the recordings or go on Facebook or get their messages because Micah Tuttle was actually excellent in all the things he covered. Um, even just the, the sessions with him and his wife talking about what it's like to be a missionary and, and what they go through. So make sure you get that. I want to support that. First uh, Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered together at Sokoch, Sokoch which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Sokah and Azekah and Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side. Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Just so you know, that means he's almost ten feet tall probably. He's over nine feet. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, about 125 pounds is his armor. And he had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, about 15 pounds, and a shield-bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Let's commit our time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, again, we are thankful um, for the perfection and the beauty that we find in your word. Uh, may we never tire of it. 
may never be repetitive um, or old. And so as we look at this story that many of us have heard since we were children, uh, may we continue to learn and grow uh, in your wisdom and in your grace as we look at what you have done and, and how it reveals who you are and what you have for us in our lives. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless this time in the reading of your word and our study. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So leading up to this now, last week uh, we looked at um, David being anointed uh, as king as a young man because Saul has defied God and he's no longer worthy to be king. So now Samuel goes out and he anoints David as a young man, very young man, maybe like a young teenager. And then David actually becomes the musician in Saul's court to soothe him when he's feeling kind of nuts and anxious and crazy and all that's going on. So now we're probably maybe three, five years later from that. And um, we will look and see actually uh, somewhere, I forget what verse it is, it's coming up. But David, it says, came and went. And so he's, he's in and out, and he goes back, and he's a shepherd for his father as well. And so um, what we see here is if we look down to um, verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Saul has lost his hope. He's lost his relationship with God. And so he has no direction. He doesn't know how to handle this. He should be fearless. He's the king of Israel, and he was anointed by God. But he's lost his relationship. And so now David is going to come in and step forward. And if we look forward, um, I'm sorry, I lost my place. But um, we realize this goes on for 40 days. For 40 days. That's where I've done what verse is, but you know where it is. It's in there. So for 40 days... Goliath is coming out and challenging the nation of Israel, the army of Israel, to say, come on out, bring me a man, let's step forward. And so one of the first things I want to point out this morning is 40 is a significant number to God. You know 40, you've heard it many times, right? 40 days and 40 nights, it rained on Noah and then it flooded the earth. Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years before they went to the promised land. Jesus spent 40 days in the desert before he was tempted by Satan. And we see even here, Goliath is challenging Israel for 40 days. So some people look at it as it means God is revealing something and he's about to do something. Um, I look at it as God is bringing something new in, right? So 40 days of rain, God washed the earth clean, and there's a new earth, new people, Noah and his sons. Israel wanders in the desert for 40 years, and they come into the new promised land after that 40 years. Jesus spends 40 days in the desert, challenges Satan, takes on Satan's temptations, and then he begins his ministry. That's when his ministry actually begins, after that time. So what's happening here is God is preparing Israel for a new king. This is the end, really, for Saul. He's going to still be king for a while, but this is the kind of the entrance of David. Nobody really knows who David is. David's been a shepherd and a little musician in Saul's court. No one knows he's been anointed king. They're not going to know right now this time. But David, through this event with Goliath, is going to be announced. This is when Israel's going to start going, who is this guy, David? What an amazing thing he did. So 40 is very significant. God is announcing something new is happening. And in this case, we're finding there's a new king. The old king is afraid. The old king has no courage. The old king won't stand up for the challenges against God's army and the, and the insults. He doesn't know what to do. He's despondent. No one will step forward. He should step forward. He's the king at the very least. 
but he won't. So God holds them off for 40 days. No man steps forward until it's time for David to come. And David comes, and David hears what the Philistine says, and he's outraged. So if we look down, verse 22, And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. David can't believe no one's standing up to Goliath. Where is their faith? Where is their courage? All the things that God has done for them up to this point, they should not hesitate to take on this Philistine. But because the king is afraid, everyone's afraid. If Saul stepped out in courage, I think everyone would have followed him. But they follow the leader. His fear transcends down to everyone else. So David can't believe that this is, this is not happening. He goes on with his brother. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Now, we know that actually David left them in good care, right? It's tough being the youngest. i got to say that. It's tough being the youngest. Sometimes it's not fair. You know, you're judged, you're beat up. You're just, you know, what did you do? It's like, you didn't even ask what I did. You just assume that I did it wrong. Not that I have bitterness, but I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You know my heart, do you? Okay. David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? And as Micah talked about Friday night, yeah, there's a cause. There's a cause. The name of God needs to be defended. So David then goes to Saul, verse 32. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I love the fact that we do not see here David turning around and going, i got to go pray about this for a while. I gotta go uh, find a quiet place, and I'll let you know what God's will is for me. But I'm gonna go off and pray about it. And I'll come back. David, because his heart is so close to God all the time, right? In the previous chapter, we saw God chose him because of his heart. David is incensed at the insult towards God. He's incensed that the armies will not stand up to Goliath and the Philistines, and he just set, knows what the right thing to do is. He doesn't have to take time. And I think there's something very um, challenging for us in, in our Christian lives. There is a time to pray. There is a time to say, God, how do you want me to handle this? But there are things that should be very clear, very emphatic, very bright, very illuminated, that we need to step up. We need to step in. We need to do what is right. We don't need to take time to pray. When something is wrong and we can do what's right, 
We need to step in. You don't have to go off and, and, and pray about it. First of all, our hearts should be so close to God because we have a daily relationship with him of worship and reading his word and prayer that we're in tune to what God would want us to do. So we should be able to just step right in when we see what is wrong. A lot of what, what Micah talked about, I really appreciated. We talked about you know our culture today uh, with abortion and marriage and all these things that are going on. We need people who stand up for God. Uh, but there are small things, too. There are daily things, too. There are injustices every day. And um, we need to be the people who step in with peace and grace as representatives of Christ when those opportunities arise. And we shouldn't need to go off and pray about it and say, hmm, let me see if God wants me to be the one. I'll challenge you that if you're there and you know what's wrong, I think God's telling you. If no one else will step in and you know someone has to, maybe God's been holding it off for you. But again, David is he's really outraged at this whole thing of defying God. And he's just, he can't understand why no one will step in. And so he goes before Saul. And Saul says, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. For you are but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. David has to face discouragement before he can do what he knows is right. His brother shoots him down. Saul shoots him down. I'm sure other people probably shot him down. Look at this kid. What does he think he's going to do? We're soldiers. We're not going to take him on. What's he going to do? I'm sure he heard it all over the place. It didn't deter him. It didn't slow him down. He didn't hesitate. He didn't think that, well, maybe that's a sign that I shouldn't do it because everyone thinks I shouldn't. David knows what is right, and even the discouragement from others is not going to slow him down. His brother is actually suffering from guilt and shame that he hasn't done anything about it. That's very clear. He's, he's dumping on David what he feels about himself. People tend to do that sometimes. You need to be aware of that. You need to be prepared to handle that. You need to be able to not be discouraged by that. You know why? Because we're all human, and we all sometimes react emotionally, and sometimes our guilt causes us to maybe say things that we regret later. In that case, we can re restore our relationships and reconcile with one another and ask for forgiveness. But again, if you know what you're doing is right, don't let the discouragement stop you. Don't be slowed down. Don't hesitate. Don't let anyone judge you by your parents or your youth. You are empowered by God, inspired by God, then do what God tells you to do. We need to not be people who are so um, judgmental of other people. And you shouldn't be the one doing that. You're too young. You're too small. You're too this. Everyone is capable of serving God. Everyone. And no one should be discouraged. So let's take the inspiration from David in this point. He doesn't hesitate. It doesn't cause him a moment of doubt, insecurity, self-esteem. He's not questioning himself. Again, he knows what the right thing to do is, and he just goes to Saul. I'll do it. Listen, and he tells him why, right? Verse 34, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, and I struck it. 
and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David's experiences are what gives him a lot of his confidence right now. So don't miss the opportunities as they come, whenever they come, because they all build up your courage, They all build up your knowledge of Christ and God and what he wants you to do and what he's strengthening you to do. If David didn't take those opportunities to fight for the lamb in this moment, he probably wouldn't have the courage now to take on Goliath. So when opportunities arise, take them. doesn't matter how small they are. Every single one of them builds up your strength in Christ. Every one of them builds up your courage, your confidence in God. Every time you step out in faith and God delivers you, helps you accomplish what it is you want to do for him, it builds up in the back of your mind the peace and the confidence knowing that he will do it. So that when the big Goliath type problem comes, you don't hesitate. But if we stall and we think, well, maybe not me, maybe not this time, you don't build that up. You have to work through those things to get to that point. It's, it's, it's more than just, you know, David did these things. God built David up for this moment, gave him the confidence that he could fearlessly go attack Goliath, not because of David's abilities, because David now knows that God delivers him. David now knows that God strengthens him to do what God wants him to do. David knows God. David knows what God does. David knows how God does. And so David is confident in God. He doesn't fear what will happen. He steps out without any question. I think that um, David also teaches us that a battle is a battle. Every battle is significant. And we need to not fear the battle. But we need to remember it is the Lord who delivers. And if we put our trust and confidence in him, he will deliver. I also love the fact that never once do you see David comment on Goliath's size. David never thinks about how big Goliath is. Now, he's taken on a lion and a bear. Those are pretty big. Those are pretty nasty. But here's a man who's trained in war who's trained to kill. He's probably spent his whole life being trained just to be a killer, to kill Jews, probably. And he's nine feet something tall. And David never says, I can take that big guy. I think I can take that big guy. He's not too big for me. He just says he's an uncircumcised Philistine, and I will kill him. Let's not let things psych us out. Our God is bigger than anything. Our God is bigger. Don't let the visual of something cause you to hesitate or doubt or be insecure. Second Timothy for 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, 
but of power and love and self-control. As those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and who are in this deep relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and God, we have that power. So we should be able to step out and not hesitate to take on the Goliath. Is there a Goliath in life? It's not just, you know, what um, a threat, a physical threat, you know. Um, I've been looking at this and, and looking at Goliath um, as sin in our lives. When, when I was thinking about how we're going to address this as a, as a practical look at David's life, um, again, I appreciate the things that, that, that Micah said Friday night about the things going on in our world and the culture and all those things that, that um, insult the living God. But you know what? When we have sin in our life, it's doing the same thing. It, it, it defies the living God. When sin lives in your heart, it says, I defy your God. <laughs> I defy him. I defy you and I defy your God. What are you going to do about it? And when we let it live, we give it victory. We need to attack the Goliath in our life. Is it fear? Is it self-doubt? Is it insecurity? Is it purity? There are so many things that could be a challenge in our life that you don't even realize may be a Goliath that's in your life that's mocking and defying the living God. Oh, you're saved? You're redeemed? You belong to Jesus Christ and you're pure and born again? Look at me. I'm living right in your life. Do we run in fear? Are we afraid to tackle it? Are we willing to jump in knowing that God wants us to have victory over it? When we look at Goliath, Goliath is not just an obnoxious bully. Goliath is dressed and prepared for serious combat. Now, he doesn't know who he's going to have to fight, but he is dressed head to toe to take on any and all. He's not playing. This is a very serious guy, and that's the way we have to look at sin. It's a very serious threat, and it is dressed from head to toe to win. It exists to win. We have to take it seriously if we're going to address it. You know, Goliath's offer, right? If you don't defeat me, you're going to be my servant. Isn't that sin? If you don't defeat me, I'm going to live in your life and I'm going to own you. But you know what? That's a lie. That's a lie. If you allow it, yes, you are its servant. But it's not true that it can. Only if we allow it. We can take it down. We can be like David and throw the stone and knock it right out. If we have the courage. So listen, don't believe the lie that your sin wants to tell you. Even if it's in the subconscious, it just loves to whisper that little thing. I'm here and you haven't been able to get rid of me. You're my servant. You've lost. Because actually we already have the victory in Jesus Christ. We just need to take it out. You know, Goliath's intent partially, and this is how sin works, is his goal, his, his methodology, the reason he's out there stomping around and saying, I dare you, I'm nine feet tall, I dare you to come take me on, it's just to demoralize them before it even starts. No one wants to take him on because they're scared of him before they've even, they've, no one even knows if he can actually swing a sword. 
They just see this giant guy stomping around saying, you're going to be my servant after I defeat you, and they're afraid to even take him on. Again, that's the way sin acts. Sin, sin's a bully. He wants to shoot you down, wants to demoralize you before you even take it on. But here's the real question. Are we, like David, outraged that there's sin in our life that defies the living God? It says, I dare you to take me on because I'm going to own you when you lose. And we just have to realize it's already lost. It's already lost. We just haven't kicked it out. We haven't killed it yet. Don't let sin demoralize you. Goliath stands as a picture for every discouragement, every lie, every attack of the enemy of God. We need to step forward. We need to load the slingshot, and we need to nail it in the head. But then here's the big part. You know what happens uh, after David nails him with the stone? cuts his head off. He cuts his head off and he parades it around. This may sound kind of weird, but have you ever tried visualizing that with your sin? I'm going to cut its head off and I'm going to hold it out and just go, you're done. You're done and throw it away. We can do that. God has empowered us to do that. When we take battle David also gives us some strategy on how to do that. If you look at verse 48, And so it was, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. David does not let Goliath get the better ground. There's a reason why he's running at him. What kind of lunatic who's like 16 years old and probably 140 pounds is running at a 9-foot guy with a sword and a shield? You're nuts, right? That's not the wisest thing to do. But David knows he needs the high ground. He needs the advantage position. Take the high ground on your sin. Don't let it get the high ground on you. Run at it. Be aggressive. Charge it. Take it out. You know uh, that pivotal, pivotal scene in Iron Man 2 when Tony and Rhodey are in the little stream and they've killed all the robots and the Russian guy in the armored suit that's three times their size is flying in. And they start arguing about who's going to take the high ground, right? Because they have the better armor and the better weapons. And Tony says, okay, you go up there. I'll stay here and draw them in. And Rhodey says, no. This is the kill box. Don't stay down here because you have no leverage. He will kill you before I can stop him. You never take the low ground in battle. You take the high ground. David takes the high ground. David runs to his position. That's his advantage. And then he, ta- he drops the Philistine. It's how he's able to get him in the rock in the right spot. 
You've got to take the high ground. Turn with me to Psalm 18, please. And I think I just did the absolute perfect blunder, which is I wrote down the wrong biblical reference. Um, But God is our high ground. (laughs) I'll get it to you later. I can't remember what verse I meant to write down. Um, I fat-fingered it when I was typing. So, basically, verse 1, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When we call on God, he is the high ground. If you take on sin and struggles in life without the high ground on your own, then you're in the kill box because you're taking them on on your own. When we go with God, through God, on God, we have the high ground because he puts our feet on the higher rock. That's the verse I was looking for. He puts my feet on the high places. I can't remember where it is. But that's, that's where we want to be. And don't let someone tell you how you have to do it like Saul did to David. You know, David had enough wisdom to say, your stuff doesn't work for me. There's one thing that we all share and we all have. We have faith and we have the word of God. But sometimes we have to work our battles out based on who we are and the way God has skilled and gifted us. And make sure you know who you are. We're not meant to be molded into other people's images, but we are created by Christ for good works. So use your faith. Trust in God first and only. And listen. Do not hesitate to cut the head off. Because it will get back up. Sin will get back up. Cut the head off. I want to close with this thought that there's also a type of Christ here in David. The people need one. They need a champion who will step out and have victory for all. David is a type of Christ. Just as the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, so I'm sure David was foolishness to those when he stepped out and said, I'll do it. But because he was a man after God's own heart, he stood in the gap. He went into the valley and he was willing to take on the enemy of God. And David had victory. And like David, Jesus Christ is our victor. Let us all remember 17, 1 Samuel seventeen forty seven, And that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. Psalm 27 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses but we trust in the Lord our God.
One more thought. I hope this makes sense. Turn me to Matthew 16, please. Matthew 16 and verse 18. Actually, let's back up a little bit. Verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are my Peter, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now I know that when he talks about on this rock, we're talking about a giant uh, earth-encased boulder that cannot be moved. But I could not help my mind and, and my soul being drawn to this parallel that what David slayed Goliath with was a stone. Jesus Christ is the rock. It is on this rock that he is the Christ. So when you need to take down that enemy, when you need to take down that Goliath, it is Jesus Christ that you slay him with. It is Jesus Christ. He will find the spot, the vulnerable spot, if we attack with Jesus Christ. He is the rock that we stand upon. I'm going to close in prayer, and then uh, we'll start corporate prayer. Lord our God, we thank you again for Jesus Christ, our champion, who went and destroyed the greatest enemy to man, sin and judgment and eternal death. So as we praise him this morning and thank you for what he has done, we pray that you would empower us to slay our Goliaths. The liar, the demoralizer, the defeatist, who doesn't really want to engage. He just wants to stop us from even bothering to try. But Lord, in Jesus Christ, we have the victory. So give us the courage to sling Jesus Christ at this liar and defeat him and cut off his head and be free in our lives. Father, again, we thank you for Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer. And we praise you in his name. Amen. We're going to spend